I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So this is the time of year where when you look at the scoreboard, especially with the Tampa Bay Lightning, nothing now really to play for. They know that they're going to play at Toronto to start the playoff series. You kind of look for one thing. Did anyone get hurt? And the answer to that on Thursday night was yes. <laughs> it's not good, man. Um, they lose 6-1. to one. We can get into that in a minute. But more importantly, it looks like they're going to lose for some time Tanner Janot. And that's so unfortunate because he was bringing a physicality and an element that this team, I thought, really lacked. And he was starting to find his role Got his knee bent back up, Steve. It just it he could put zero weight on it. And even John Cooper, who isn't one to hyperbole about injuries, afterwards said that he was very concerned about Janot. Yeah, his level of concern high. He said uh, Pat Maroon mm. also left hurt, but he said not worried about that one. That one he yeah. kind of took a skate blade to the shoulder, to the back. Yeah, shoulder. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, accident thing. But I think you know. Yeah. At this point of the season, knowing that there's really not much to play for now, with the loss tonight and Toronto getting a point against Boston, we know that the Lightning can no longer catch Toronto. So Toronto is the two seed. Tampa is the three seed. It's going to start games one and two in Toronto, three and four in Tampa Bay. Uh, no matter what for that series. So there's yeah. literally now nothing to play for the rest of the season outside stats and mm-hmm. health. And as you mentioned, Tanner Janot didn't look good. Um, when you have knee injuries like that, ooh. Uh, I mean, I don't. Yeah. they probably don't know the extent yet. I'm pretty sure he's not going to play Saturday in Ottawa. And the That's Lightning are off idea. today, so we're not going to get an update till Saturday, as it is anyway. Yeah. Um, but, I, granted, we've said this with injuries lately, thinking it was worse than it turned out to be. Steven Stamkos, mm-hmm. Mikhail Sergachev the other night. But this mm-hmm. one looked worse. And when Cooper comes out in the postgame, normally it's just no comment. Don't, don't have an update yet. For instance, he didn't have an update on Sorelli the other night. Now, to go in... To, Make matters worse, the Lightning played without Sorelli, Hagel, and Chernak on Thursday night all day to day with injuries. Mm-hmm. Now, day to day is much better than high concern, which is what Cooper said about Tanner Janot after the game. So, and I think day to day this time of year, you're not going to put somebody on the ice because you want them to be healthy when the playoffs come. So, I mean, again, there's the old disclaimer well, had this been a playoff game, so and so might have played, right? And you just don't get into that right now. So you don't want anybody to play that's nicked up. You want to get them as healthy as you can for what you hope is going to be a long playoff run. But what you know, you know how you tell, and it, this is in any sport, how you tell when an injury is really bad? The reaction of the players on the ice or on the field, right? Mm-hmm. The other team kind of stood back and, in, you know, I don't know if they had really applauded for, per se, but they th- there's, there's an understanding you could tell just by the looks on their faces that – yeah, this is this one's bad. You know what I mean? And you could see it too. I mean, in the replays, 
he got his knee bent back and his leg in, in a position that very few people can withstand in terms of their ligaments and things like that. So not knowing exactly what it is, and you're right, a lot of times these guys look like there's no way they're coming back, and then they're the toughest guys in the world, right? They play through stuff. Um, but Alex Kalorn played through a broken leg, didn't he, one time in the postseason? They tried to. He wanted to come back tried in the to. Stanley Cup final with a rod in his leg that was put in a week prior. <laughs> Believable. Um, so they're a different breed, but uh, but it is a shame because, I, I mean, Janot made a quick transition and really – did exactly what they wanted. You know what I mean? He, he, he brought a physicality to them. And like I said, was really starting to settle in a little bit into, into his role and um, not the time you want to lose any players. That's the thing about the postseason anyway. And as you head into the postseason, of course you want your best players all year long. Um, but there's injuries are the great assassins, right? They're just, they're behind every door. And it's just like, you know, last year, I'm convinced that if Braden Point had played in the Stanley Cup final, it goes to a game seven. If not, they win it. You know, like the, the one element they missed was that guy that could, you know, control the puck, bring it across the blue line and, and get things started. And, and you just don't know, you know, when when that's going to happen to what player, right? Obviously, if you lost Andre Vasilevsky, I think the series is pretty much over. But there are certain guys that, you know, play such huge roles that, um, and I'm not saying, you know, like this is going to derail them per se, but. But one of the you, important you know, roles he plays is he's one of the league leaders in hits and right. rights. Sure. Yeah. And, and you oh, realize yeah. that since he took down Riley Stillman about a month ago, mm-hmm. no one has challenged him. No. Like, and they're not he, making runs at Kucherov either. When he's Stamper. on the ice, you're not, you're not trying to take anyone down. No. Because no. nobody, after what he did to Riley Stillman, nobody wants to take him on. <laughs> it was just a. One punch knockout. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you lose that that presence. Now in the playoffs, you have less fighting. True. But what don't you don't want, what box. you don't want is the shots being taken at Kucherov at point. You know, at Stamkos. And you and, get a lot of that. You get a lot of those hits. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, Legal it's, it's definitely a lot. It's a, it's a tighter game in the playoffs. Yes. You yes. Know? Um, it's less wide open play per se. So. You know mm. what you'd want to avoid is the the dirty hits or the late hits and that and guys like Tanner Janot on your team help deter those. Sure they do. You know you sure can remember do. a few years ago when uh, one of the playoff games before where they were playing the Islanders and you had Matt Martin and a couple other Islanders at center ice and there was Pat Maroon, there was mm-hmm. Luke Shen, there was Zach mm-hmm. Bogosian, just mm-hmm. going back and forth at center ice before the game, going yeah this ain't happening tonight. You know, right. the Islanders right. were starting to get a little, uh, a little may, maybe a little dirty, a little this, and, and those guys were out there like, yeah, this stops right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and you send that message. And Tanner Janot is one of those guys that helps send those messages at times. Yeah. Um, and, and like you said, he was really kind of starting to find his way with his line mates, with the team. Right. You know, and, uh, he was and, a nice fit. And he's one of those guys, you know, kind of, you know he's got a young family. Traded from Nashville to here, trying to settle in, get his wife, his kids settled cool. in. This, you know, yeah. you don't know where you're living per se, the hotel, or maybe he's got an apartment. And the, you know, it took him a little bit to get comfortable, and he was starting sure to really did. find that comfort. You could see it on the ice, and, mm-hmm. and hopefully, he's not out long. Yeah, I mean, we don't know. I mean, that's the thing. But usually, like I said, Cooper doesn't give much away with injuries, one way or the other. Traditionally. 
Um, for him to say he was, you know, concerned or, or highly, if he's saying that, it's it, you're pretty sure it's because Coop. If it's questionable and he could be back in a day, a game or two, yeah. If it's day to day, yeah. Usually, it's I, I don't have an update yet. Right. Those are usually his right. type of comments, or not certain. Right. We'll get it checked out tomorrow. Right. When he comes out and says it's it's a high concern or it's bad or that you know, then you yeah. you know it's it's not good. Mm, yeah. He's getting in front of the headline there. So I don't know. The one the one thing I will say, and, and listen, these games, you know, it was all but settled that they were going to probably end up on the road, and, and, and now, in fact, they are. They're going to start in Toronto games one and two. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I will say about the Lightning is they've not been a good road team this year. No. Now, postseason is different, and, and you know, Vasilevsky is, is what they ride all the way to the Stanley Cup most years. So – He's a great equalizer, and and it can change. And there's a lot of pressure. I've always thought on the home team to start a series, no matter where it is. I just always believe that. Like when you start mm-hmm. at home, the expectation is you're going to win. You're going to win this night. You're going to win the next night. And when you don't, the the momentum kind of shifts to the other team because all they need is one out of two, and, and now they've got home ice. So it doesn't. It hasn't meant much, you know, against the Lightning in recent years. They've still made it to the Stanley Cup and won a couple. Um, but this year's team just hasn't played well on the road. And that's been the one consistent, you know, constant throughout the year. 18, 21, and 1. That's not good, Three man. games below Hockey 500. That's uh, not good. And with one road game left. Saturday will be the final road game of the regular season. Right, right. So they're going to finish with a losing record on the road this year. Yeah. Which I don't remember the last time that happened to the Lightning. I I don't know this because I don't look at the standings, but like I I wonder how many playoff teams do have a losing record on the road. Can't be many. Well, let's look at this year's teams here. I'll pull it up here. Uh, Probably a few, but uh, the Islanders are in the second wild card slot. They're even on the road, seventeen, seventeen, and six. Okay. Pittsburgh is one point out of a playoff berth. They're sixteen, eighteen, and five. Oh, and Florida's mm-hmm. eighteen, nineteen, and three. So they're a game below as well. They're the top wild card. They're in it. But yeah. you're talking about the wild card teams. Yeah, but generally uh, speaking, in the West, Winnipeg is the last wild card. They're nineteen, nineteen, and one. So five hundred, maybe one game below, and those are yeah. the final wild card teams in both yeah. both. Seattle's where they're the top wild card. They're just two games over five hundred at home. They're fifteen games over five hundred away from home. Jeez, that is weird. Which is weird for Seattle. So you think teams going all the way out there would struggle in the road? Huh. Well, it, it it would be a concern just because they, you know, they haven't played well, and that's been the one constant all year long, and it's still happening. You know, it's happening right right to the end, even when they were playing great hockey. And they didn't play great, obviously, losing 6-1, to one, but um, prior to that, you know, they had Fassi and them having to get up. And this is a back-to-back. Elliott was in net. You know, there's, there's a lot of factors. It was okay for a period, you know, or so. The second period got away from them, and then that was all she wrote, but – that would be the one caveat. And then again, you go out there, game one at Toronto, and you win it, and everybody goes, yeah, so what What? What about the road again? Like, you know, take one out of two, and you got home ice in your favor. So it really, you know, the, the postseason is always a different deal. But um, they still have – I mean, there's still a couple of things I'd like – I mean, Cooch scored I, – I, you'd love to see Braden Point get two more goals to get 50. Yes, Oh, I think you'll see close. them try hard to get him 52. Yeah, don't you? Yes. Even if it's an empty net or somewhere along mm-hmm. the line here. 
Yeah, there'll be there'll be a yeah. lot of uh, uh, Cooch particularly trying to pass to point. Sure, sure. You know, which sometimes can be to the detriment of the team, but but it you get be. why they would do it. You try to do it, and then mm-hmm. Cooch, uh, thirty goal season again. Is this like his sixth? I want to say or fifth or sixth, something ridiculous like that. Uh, he is he is really consistent. <laughs> that guy. And, of course, well over 100 points. I mean, he's just had another great year. He could score more if he wanted to, if he, you know, if he felt, followed Phil Esposito's direction to shoot more. It's his sixth season with 30 goals. Yeah. He also had a 29-goal season in 14-15 and a 25-goal season. So it's his, yeah. it's his eighth season, eighth straight season with 25 goals or more. Jeez. That's and, pretty And, of course, that, that 25-goal season was in a 48-game schedule. What was it a fifty-six game schedule? Abbreviated, yeah. He only mm-hmm. played forty-seven of those games, but yeah, he got twenty-five and forty-seven. Yeah, you know, that was a great pace then. But yeah, uh, he gets it done, man. But it was cool I, with the it, Lightning game. Steven Stamkos game number one thousand. Mm-hmm. And did you see the well, shirts that the players were wearing? I one? did, and I and they dated back from when Stamkos was first drafted, right? Yes, the marketing campaign that the Lightning did prior to Steven Stamkos being drafted, seen Stamkos, and they had billboards and stickers and everything else all around town for a campaign trying to raise awareness of number one draft pick Steven Stamkos. So mm-hmm. the, all the the team wore those uh, shirts for warm ups today, which I believe Steven Stamkos was surprised by. I don't think he knew that was coming. So. Yeah, that was that was kind of cool. Was it seen Stamkos or got Stamkos? It was seen, seen Stamkos. Seen right? Stamkos. Yeah, seen it was Stamkos. a question mark. Yeah, question. Yeah, eighteen years old. Mm-hmm. Eighteen years old when he got here. He had a, an interview with Gabby Shirley after the first intermission. Quite a quite a year of milestones for him, right? A, a thousand points. Thousand um, points. Five hundred goals. Five hundred assists. 500 a thousand goals. games. All in the same season. All in the same year, which is incredible. Incredible. And what I he's mean, proud of is that he got to five hundred assists. Before he got to 500 goals, right? As he's known as a goal scorer, and right. he's one of the best shooters of our generation, of this, <laughs> of this generation, more. maybe Ovechkin, and then Stamkos. Those are your two best shooters in this generation. Hmm. Just unbelievable. Hall of Famer, no doubt, no doubt. He's a Hall of Famer. No question. Two Stanley Cups, captain of the Lightning, 500 goals, thousand points, captain yeah. of two Stanley Cups, as you said. I mean, no question, he is a yeah. Hall of Famer. Yeah. And the thing is, missed a big chunk of his career mm-hmm. with injuries, mm-hmm. you know? So you wonder where he would be. And there was a time, I got to be honest, before they made these Stanley Cup runs, I thought his best, I thought he was done. I thought it was behind him, you know? Well, and Especially after the broken leg and all mm-hmm. that. As he's told us, and, and you know, you you've really start to appreciate this, there's a difference between training and rehabbing yeah. over a summer. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. And he spent too yep. many years rehabbing over a summer. Mm-hmm. And you thought he was done. I mean, he looked slower on the ice. He, I mean, he saw the great shot. Right. But just but a lot of other old. things you started going, oh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden he got healthy and could train over a summer. And, you know, he, he led the team a year ago. I mean, point mm-hmm. and Kucherov missed most of the first half of the season. Right, right. You know they were both on the shelf, and there was there was Stammer leading the team. I mean, played every game. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's was, got, was an iron gotten better over the years on faceoffs. Yeah, he's one of their best faceoff guys now. Didn't used to be. They put him in on the power play for that reason. Mm-hmm. Plays plays a more responsible game defensively now too. 
Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, everything you want in a captain, everything you want in a leader of a team, everything you want in the face of a franchise. Right. No, it's terrific. Uh, kind of wish it would have been at home, but you can't do anything about that. But um, There will be a celebration on Tuesday night uh, for the home game against the Maple Leafs. That's cool. That's cool. Which is weird. Uh, this We talked about this before we came on. Like, How does how did Toronto and the Lightning play that game? Because they're going to turn around and begin a playoff series. Is this a... Is it a feeling out game or is a hey let's let's back off because this doesn't mean anything to either of us game? Yeah, the question is: Is it let's send a message, or do they get not physical and basically like hey nobody hurt anybody? Yeah, I, you know it'll be interesting because it, not even like home ice for either one. I mean, it's determined. It is nothing's at stake. It yeah. is the two seed Toronto Maple Leafs, the three seed Tampa Bay Lightning, and they're facing off. Doesn't matter what happens the final three games for the Lightning. Doesn't matter what happens for the final. I think Toronto's got four games left. Right. That'll be curious. There might be some bad blood, but then again, maybe they'll just agree to skate up and down the ice as freely all day. Who knows? Maybe or it, really might, it H- might be just NHL pretty loosey goosey until someone takes a hit and then it then it turns. Well, yeah. Then someone steps out of line and then out's on, yeah. Yep. I'll be curious. But uh, yeah, a tough break for Tanner Janot and um well, we'll see how we'll get more news on that, I'm sure, as the week goes on. Um, we're going to talk, uh, got a little bit of Bucks news and then also got a couple of your mailback questions left over that we'll get to here on this Friday. But first, I want to remind you guys about how to save money on your electric bill. It's called May Electric Solar. This family-owned business has been operating and installing solar electric systems now in the area for 13 years. There's a lot of these companies, I'm sure you've heard of them, but May Electric is different. They're committed to you for the long term. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty 30 years. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection. That's for all your appliances. That's what they call the May difference. If you visit the Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all their products. They conduct on-site testing. You can see exactly what they're going to install to fit your particular needs. Plus, they don't use subcontractors. So all those guys up there with the solar panels on the roof, those are Billy Mays guys. You know exactly who is doing the job. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts, May Electric Solar, at 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate. Lower your electric bill all year long. Preserve the quality of your appliances. That's May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. All right, the Bucks brought aboard another player that we had a chance to meet on Thursday. And this is, this is going to be confusing if you're a writer like me who has struggles with these names because I've had so damn many of them through the years. So they didn't re-sign Logan Ryan, you know, the free agent safety they got from the Giants a year ago. He's still out there, potentially could re-sign, but, you know, frankly, the Giants paid $5 million of his $6 million contract last year, so that was a big reason why they got him. Um, they lost safety Keanu Neal to the Pittsburgh Steelers. So you lose Logan Ryan, you lose Keanu Neal, Ryan, at least Logan, Logan Ryan is not on the team, Keanu Neal is now gone. But here comes Ryan Neal, who's also a safety man, and I'm, I, and I want to call him Ryan O'Neal from Love Story. You know what I mean? Like one the actor, you know, and how's Tatum and all that thing. But he's an undrafted uh, safety from Southern Illinois, and surprising that he was available. I mean, this guy has played a lot of football. He he has been with the Seahawks the last four or five years, and really mostly as a special teams player. And then they put a tender on him as an unrestricted free agent. Unrestricted free agent, 
you're not able to go out. Well, you could go out, but they'd have the right of first refusal to match it. They tendered him $2.67 million for that, for that right. And then before he signed it, um, they decided to remove that, remove that tender and made him an unrestricted free agent. And then he signs with the Bucks. And it was kind of a good thing for the Bucks because, you know, you usually don't find a guy that has played a lot just kind of fall out late in the um, in the free agent signing period, and then and then be willing to come here essentially on a one year veteran minimum deal, which is like one point one million dollars. So last year, because of injuries, um, he got to play a lot, and he started I think ten games, had a career high sixty six tackles, he had an interception, a forced fumble, that sort of thing, played really good ball, and so you know, at this point in his career, he's trying to establish himself as a starting safety. And he's going to get that opportunity because, as you know, the Bucks they just don't have anybody. I mean, they, they kept, obviously, they have Antoine Winfield Jr., Mike Edwards, we talked about Neil. Mike Edwards, who was their starting safety, went to the Kansas City Chiefs. So they lost him, mentioned Neil, mentioned Logan Ryan. Um, and then a year ago, Jordan Whitehead went to the Jets. So a lot of these guys were all drafted sort of at the same time, the Sean Murphy Buntings, who's now uh, in Tennessee. And so, you know, the guys they they wanted to keep, obviously, were Carlton Davis a year ago. They re-signed Jamel Dean. He was their big signing this year that took a good portion of, of what salary cap they were able to scrape together. So that that position really had just Winfield, Nolan Turner, and Dee Delaney, who also plays corner. I mean, they just didn't have the numbers, right? They didn't have safeties on the roster. So to be able to get, you know, a player like this that has played a lot of football in Ryan Neal and looking looking to play more, you know, looking to be that starter. He's a big guy. He's 6'3", 200 pounds. They've already said that Winfield's going to play free safety. They want to back him up, back into center field, take him out of the slot, take him out of that – area where he was effective but frankly couldn't hold up physically and I think you saw the injuries start to mount throughout the regular season he missed three or four games and he's impactful because he can do a lot down there he can rush the passer he was a good good blitzer he could play the run made a lot of tackles for loss he can cover tight ends and running backs it's just it's demolition derby and I and I think they want him to play more center field you know create more plays on the ball especially with Mike Edwards gone because Mike Mike had great ball skills, was not maybe the most, I don't know, assignment sound guy, seemed to blow some coverages from time to time, but they're going to need turnovers, and that was something they sorely lacked a year ago. So with a big guy coming in here like Ryan Neal, you can put him down there, a um, little more physical, um, should be able to hold up at his size, and he can do a lot of different things, and he has done a lot of different things for Seattle. So I – He's an impressive guy when you talk to him. And Tampa, he's no stranger to Tampa. I mean, this guy has been coming to the Bay Area almost from the time that he got into the NFL. He's been training here, trained a while with uh, Yo Murphy, a former Bucks receiver that has a fitness company, uh, worked out at uh, Applied Science and Performance Institute, um, which is down here in Tampa. I mean, he's trained everywhere from Saddlebrook, and now he's in Sarasota. So he says, you know, Tampa is like home part two to me. And so, like, you know, he couldn't pass it up in part because even though the money isn't there, the opportunity is. You know, the chance to compete for a starting job is, uh, you know, is really what 
what got him down here. That and his his love of the area. But he's an interesting guy. I mean, he the son of a firefighter. He grew up in Indiana. Um, his dad is his hero, and so is his brother. His brother Mike, his older brother, played for Purdue, and he thought he was going to go play for Purdue, and they didn't want him, which kind of crushed him a little bit. Um, but his his brother played six seasons with the Green Bay Packers, all of them with the Packers, and won a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers back in the day. So he says, you know, I, I call him my mentor. My brother was everything to me. Um, you know, first one to be in the NFL, first one Super Bowl champion, all of that. And so, you know, as he was on the sidelines in high school and in college and went to Purdue and saw all his games, he was like, man, I got to do this, right? So he followed in his footsteps, and now he's in the NFL and doesn't know many players, uh, had spent some time coming out of college in Atlanta. So, you know, he, he knows, you know, Deidre and Sonat and a couple couple guys that, you know, he knew some guys that aren't, aren't here now, like Julio Jones and some others. Um, but, um, yeah, just, you know, really impressive dude. We got to meet him. Uh, we'll see. I mean, he's, he's very familiar with the Bucks and having played them in Germany. Uh, he remembered that game very well. He knows watching their defense. He pointed out, you know, the speed of the team, especially the linebackers. And Devin White and Lamonte David had great games back then over in Germany. So we'll see. We'll see if he works out. But I, I you know, you can kind of tell guys, I mean, he's a very serious dude, um, wants to be great. I know the locker room. And, you know, he, he's kind of, it's interesting because if the, the Bucks really their goal and their template for them this year would be the Seattle Seahawks of last season, right? Geno Smith, remember the old phrase, it's like, you know, how he had been in the league and, and sort of they had written me off and he said, I didn't write back. That's kind of where you're at with Baker Mayfield, right? I mean, you had an iconic quarterback in um, in Wilson move on to Denver. Everybody said, well, the Seahawks are dead, right? They, they don't have any quarterback. They're done. Um, this time Brady retires for a second time. And it's kind of the narrative again, like, well, they don't have a quarterback. They got Trask and now you bring in a Baker Mayfield. He's like, hey, man. I've seen it before. It's not, you know, it's not all on one guy. If that guy has belief and everybody believes in him and you rally around him and, and you know, there's there's enough talent here, enough guys that have been in the Super Bowl. And that's, you know, Dave Canales is here. And there's a lot of reasons why the Seahawks would sort of be the template for what the Bucks want to become as they kind of transition their way from Tom Brady and the salary cap and all that out into another quarterback and still be competitive in the division, which they think they can win and have won the last two years. So uh, this is uh, this is just another guy that has done that, right? He, he has seen it happen. He knows he knows how what it looks like. He knows how it can happen. So I think it's a good pickup. And not to, not to say that they're not going to draft a safety because I think they I think they still will. I think he's still high on their priority list. They could potentially draft one with the first pick, and we could be talking about this guy as a backup, you know, or as as a nickel corner or something like that. Um, but you can't have enough players in the secondary. We've seen that the last two years. They've had a ton of injuries back there. So you, and you want veteran guys. You want guys that have been in the fire before. It's hard to get a lot of young guys that aren't going to go out there and make mistakes and whatnot. So, you know, pretty good pretty good signing for the Bucks. All right, we've got some mailbag questions and a little bit of time to get to them. So let's let's hit a couple as we end up the week here. Well, we'll start with Les, who has a mailbag follow-up question. He says, Rick, if the Bucks do take Hendon Hooker in the draft, does this ensure that Kyle Trask gets released at the end of the season? And does that solidify that he was a waste of a second-round pick? 
since obviously the Bucks don't think he can play. Um, those are great questions. I don't think you'll know if they take Hendon Hooker that that's an absolute tell on Kyle Trask, although it would be a pretty good indication, I suppose. It might say more about Hooker than it says about Trask. What I mean by that is they simply don't know what they have in Kyle Trask. You know, like you did spend some draft capital on him. I mean, he was the last pick in the second round. Um, So you did hope that in two years he would progress to the point where he could be a starter or challenge for a starting job or at least be that number two guy that's ascending. And he might be that. But this, this league is a quarterback league, and really you can't have enough, right? I mean, look at the San Francisco 49ers. You know, they started, Jimmy Garoppolo was, was out. They didn't even want him in training camp. Um, they had put all this, you know, draft capital in Trey Lance. Trey Lance starts the season, he gets hurt. They have a really good football team. They go with Jimmy G. Jimmy G gets them rolling, and then he gets hurt. And it's like, oh, gosh, we're done. What do we do now? You know, and they turn to Brock Purdy and Mr. Irrelevant that they thought, you know, if they thought he was this kind of player, he wouldn't have been the last pick in the draft. But they put him in there, and he goes 7-0. and on a really good football team. And then, of course, we saw in the NFC Championship game, he got hurt, you know, and they had to take Josh Johnson off the street, and it was over. But I guess my point is, you know, what's the worst-case scenario? Okay, Trask plays really well, wins a starting job, and you've got Hendon Hooker, who is, for all the world, kind of red-shirting because he's coming off that ACL. He had surgery in December, so he's maybe not going to be ready to play a full season necessarily especially as a starting quarterback you probably don't want him to um but you know trask is going to be going into his what third year this year his last season under contract next year because he wasn't a first round pick there's no fifth year option so you have to deal with trask either way i i guess it's a i guess it's insurance a little bit uh, against both you know mayfield's a free agent he's a one-year deal dude so mayfield could knock it out of the park and say hey yeah thanks bucks i'm gonna go over here and quarterback this team now you know and sign a long-term deal with somebody else now i don't think he would i think if he had success here he'd want to stay here but there's no guarantee of that so i think it would say more about hook like hooker you just have to ask yourself if he had not injured his acl this guy was on his way to throwing for close to what 4,500 yards. Um, his touchdown interception ratio the last two years was ridiculous. And, you know, the, the knock against him right now is sort of, you know, the injury in his age, which he's 25. But as Charlie Weiss said to me, I was on NFL Network and radio or whatever. And he goes to me, he goes, Really? You're worried about a guy that's 25? You just had a quarterback that was 45. <laughs> so it's like, Yeah, good point. He's 20 years younger than the last guy, so there's that, uh, which was I thought was kind of funny. So, you know, I think what people are trying to determine, and it's hard because you can't work out, you know, next to other guys, the combine, et cetera. But if you look at the tape, I think people are like, well, how much of this is Josh Heupel, right, in his system? Guys were wide open. And, you know, I mean, all Hooker will say is like, look, it's not my fault they can't cover our receivers. Right. And he's like, go watch my throws. Those are big boy throws. Like, I'm not just, you know, running RPOs and throwing five yard outs and hitches and things like that. Like, he's, he's gunning the ball down the field consistently. And the bigger, th- the biggest thing is his accuracy and, and the way he protects the football. When you throw that many touchdowns 
and have so few interceptions, I think like five in two years. Um, that just doesn't happen by accident, right? And we've talked about quarterbacks. The Bucks have had plenty of quarterbacks, Benny Testaverde, Jameis Winston, who came out of college, Heisman Trophy in hand, but also a reputation for not protecting the football. And when they got to the NFL, what happened? They didn't protect the football. Um, what's wrong with a, getting a quarterback who's known for doing it, for protecting it and being highly productive? Um, and if he had not hurt his ACL, I think he'd be talked about as maybe the third quarterback in this draft, right? Maybe, I mean, he probably would – really good chance because he beat Bryce Young in Alabama head-to-head. So there's a chance he might have won the Heisman Trophy, right? Um, so if you put all that on him without getting hurt and they go to a bowl game, maybe they get they would have been in the national playoff picture perhaps, that kind of changes his stock, right? Um, but from an NFL standpoint, the more they've interviewed this guy, from what I understand, he's so impressive as a leader. And he came from Virginia Tech. He didn't get the job right away, but he kept leading that when he when he did get the job, you know, he was already well into on his way as far as, you know, guys following him and whatnot. So there's a lot more to that position. And I just think the position is so valuable that they could do worse. Now people go, well, you know, top bowls, I mean, they need so much, right? How can you spend more draft capital on a quarterback when you haven't even played Trask and you just signed Baker Mayfield? And Mayfield's not he's a four million dollar player. You know, the rest of it's incentives, so it's not really about the money with him. Um, and you didn't need any draft picks to get him. So I, I just I, – I don't know that you're giving up on Trask. I think if you draft him, it's because you really believe in the player. I think that the, the value of the position, um, the fact that that player would not be at 19 without the ACL injury, if, you're, if, if you get him at 19, he's a bargain, albeit a hurt one. He's still a bargain. Um, and so – I think it's more about Hooker than it would be something against Trask. But let's be honest. We've talked about this. If if they thought Kyle Trask was all that, right, if they thought he was better than Hendon Hooker or they thought he was better than Baker Mayfield, why is Baker Mayfield here? I mean, why wouldn't he just be the natural progression to, no, 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 no. We knew Brady was going to retire. We're good. We got we got Kyle freaking Trask. We are good. Wait till you see this guy, right? And that's not what you're hearing. You're hearing, well, we're going to give him a chance. He's going to get his chance to compete for a starting job. I mean, he's he's in the mix. You know, we're gonna it's going to be a competition, and we we're, we're we like Kyle Trask. We're excited to see him compete. That's not the same thing. You know, that's not the same thing as oh no, this was the plan. We have our quarterback. We're going. Let's go. You know, that's not what you hear. So Trask Trask will either surprise and delight like he did at Florida. Or he'll kind of be what you expected, which is probably, you know, a backup quarterback along the line who might who could start and maybe win some games for you, but may not be counted on to start every game in his career. So we'll know soon enough, but I think it'd be more about Hooker than your lack of faith and trust. That's just my opinion. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I got a baseball question from Brian who said, if a pitcher is ahead in the count, say 0-2, do you think it's beneficial to take a pitch clock violation just to get the next pitch right instead of rushing? One and two might be better than the alternative, a hit or a hit by pitch. I mean, if I'm not, if, if, if I'm having trouble with, you know, the signs or I'm not in agreement with a catcher and I can't use my timeout or whatever the hell they do with trips to the mound and all that, yeah, I don't think it's a bad thing to be one and two rather than throw something that you're not committed to throwing. Um, I don't know that it's going to be a head game. I, I have said this, and I believe it, and I love the pitch clock. I think it's a real advantage for the pitcher um, and for the fielders, you know, because the worst you can do is have a guy on the mound that throws the ball, gets the ball back, walks around the mound, picks up the rosin bag, stands there, maybe shakes off the catcher, steps off the rubber, goes back to the rosin bag, gets back on the mound. Now they're together. Now, now he gets the sign. And, you know, a minute and a half later, he throws the ball. Meanwhile, the batter is, you know, adjusting to how he's being pitched, thinking about what he's seen on tape, um, thinking about how he feels in the box. Like, the more time you allow a hitter to stand up there and get comfortable and step out and step back in and, you know, dictate the pace of the game, it's his advantage. I've always thought the pitcher had a huge advantage because he has the ball. He's the only one that knows when he's going to throw it. So you want to keep that hitter guessing about, you know, when you're coming to him. But yeah, I mean, if, if if there's a situation where you can't get together on the signs or you're not committed to throwing a certain pitch, sure, take the clock violation and a ball if you're ahead 0-2 rather than throw something you're not committed to and it gets knocked out of the park. So I don't have a problem with that. Um, I don't know that it strategically is going to be something they're going to do to mess up the hitter. Like I said, I think the more time you give the hitter, um, and certainly if you gave him an extra pitch like a ball, you know, um, and made it one and two from zero and two, he's still got to protect it one and two. So I, I don't know that there's a, a huge advantage uh, or disadvantage, you know, for the pitcher if he if he lets the clock elapse. I don't think strategically it's going to mess up the hitter that much. So, but I'd rather be committed to what I'm throwing, um, and and step off the rubber and and, and take the penalty than throw something that's going to get whacked out of the park because I didn't, I didn't believe in the pitch. So yeah, you got to get it right. That's, that's the first thing you got to do is be together and, and be committed to what you're throwing. All right. We'll end on this one tonight. And uh, Kyle had tweeted us he says when the season is over for the Tampa Bay lightning, will Alex Kalorn be Tampa Bay's biggest priority to resign? Despite the fact that they have little free cap room and have Brent Seabrook's contract for one more year. And just I mean, uh, gonna... to let you know where yeah. the, the lightning are at. The salary cap will be about $83.5 million next year, up about a million. Mm-hmm. The Lightning have new contracts kicking in for Eric Chernak, Mikhail Sergachev, and Anthony Sorelli that all got huge raises. Yeah. So they're already at 81, almost $82 million. 81 one. Mm-hmm. And what's out, the cap? Out of 83.5. Now, okay. Brett Seabrook is another $6.875 million. That's long-term injury relief. That once the season begins, they can they can go over the cap essentially by almost seven million, which is where they're at this year. But you got to get under it first, and you still have restricted free agents in Tanner Janot, Ross Colton, uh, Ian Cole's going to be a free agent if you want to try to bring him back. 
Michael Asamont is a unrestricted free agent as well as Perry and Belmar off the ro- the current roster. And Brian Elliott, too. You're going to have to sign a goaltender, a backup goaltender somewhere. So, yeah. look, I, I, mean, I, think I think the Lightning would love to have Alex Kalorn back. I think Alex Kalorn wants to stay here. But I don't think they're going to sign him for another $4.45 million a year. So what number is he comfortable playing for? Yeah. And that's what may determine whether he's back next year or not. Doesn't this feel a lot like, you know, whether it's Palat or mm-hmm. Gord? I mean, it kind of feels like we'd love to have him, but mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And Alex is doing what Alex does. Towards the end of the year, he starts to score goals. He mm-hmm. starts to show up more. Um, he's a glue guy. He's been here as long as almost anybody besides what, Stamkos? He's actually been um, in the organization longer. He was drafted the year before Stamkos. That's right. But that, he went to right. college. He's the longest he tenured Lightning. Years, so. That's right. Yeah. So he didn't right. sign right away. So he hasn't – I mean, he was drafted by them but didn't sign for a few years. But, yes. Right. Right. So, I mean, he's he's an organizational dude. But, like, it just feels like, mm-hmm. yeah, if it comes down to money and, and, and other guys – I mean, I don't think Corey Perry is going to be here regardless. I think Corey okay. Perry and Pierre Edward Belmar, I think they're done with the Lightning. They're yeah, 37 and 38 believe. years old, respectively. Right. Uh, right. I, I think you know the Lightning most likely will move on from them. I think they want Tanner Janot yeah. back. Ross Colton's a restricted free agent. They're going to want him back, but both are going to get raises. Yeah. Um, hey, if, I was going to ask you this, and this is not related necessarily, but you know they re-signed Nick Paul to that big goal, big, mm-hmm. big contract. Mm-hmm. The dude's gone 25 games without a goal. He doesn't look right to me. What the hell? This he, guy could do everything last year. He looks slower than I remember. I, I, I wonder if he's hurt in some regard. Obviously not enough to miss games. You're right, too, because he was the first one on the puck every single time. Mm-hmm. Like he, he was a guy that chased it as much as anybody mm-hmm. and, and really won battles in the corner and seemed to have it on his stick at all times. You know what I mean? Could do everything. You don't, you don't, he doesn't show up with the puck much. Yeah, he's one this year that just didn't look right. And, and, yeah. and the, the other one to me that hasn't looked 100% for a big chunk of the year is Victor Hedman. I agree with that. I think he's 100%. playing well, but I don't think he looks – he looks 100%. like something's wrong. What it is, I yes. don't know. Um, and, you Especially know, earlier in the year. Yeah, you know, so he doesn't look 100%, which is part of the reason I think Mikhail Sergachev's on the number one power play. Mm-hmm. But, and that happens. Guys play mm-hmm. with injuries. You don't hear mm-hmm. about them until after the, after the year. Yeah, if you even hear about them at all. I mean, uh, even then, yeah, right. So, but Alex Kalorn, look, I, I think Alex Kalorn's made it very clear he, would, he wants to retire here and wants to play here. Yeah. Um, he's 33 years old, so he's not, you know, Andre Plot was, what, 29 or 30? Mm-hmm. As he was going to New Jersey, you know, Alex a little older. I don't know what kind of contracts out there for him. He probably could right. go somewhere and get more money. I don't know how much term they'll give him. So the question is, what's he comfortable with? I mean, he's coming off a what a seven-year deal of four point four five million. Mm-hmm. So he's you know he's made quite a lot in his career. Um, let's see, his career earnings about thirty-seven million dollars. He's made. That'll work. You know, so but it's you know, it, hey, if someone's willing to pay him four or five million next year, I can't fault him if he wants to go there. I don't think the Lightning will pay that much next year, right? So you know, it becomes a a choice for him ultimately. I believe. 
and, and I don't know, you know, obviously we don't know what the Lightning are comfortable with, but they do have some salary cap decisions to make. As mm. you said, you know, the, ca- the cap's not going up that much yet again. Right. You know, it's kind of why they had to get rid of McDonough. Andre Palat, they, you know, lost to free agency because he got a, what, a f- six-year deal for $5 million or a five-year deal for six, I don't remember which one it was, $30 million over whatever the term was. But it was right. a lot more than the Lightning could afford. Yeah, and that's that's what will happen is mm-hmm. if if somebody you know throws five million dollars a year at him, he'll probably be wise to take it and will go. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll put a value on him, and you know maybe they can fit him under the cap, maybe they can't. But he's certainly one of those players you'd ex- it'd be tragic because he's my mm-hmm. my uh, daughter Alex's favorite player for obvious reasons. And the Lightning are going to have um, the same scenario the following year with Steven Stamkos, right? You know, he's coming off the seven or eight, whatever year deal it was, for eight and a half million a year. Right. Thought he was gone to Toronto. I mean, it's hard mm-hmm. to believe that contract's up already. Yeah, it's going to be up after next season. So they got another yeah. year on that. But at Don't that point. Don't you think Stam, Stamkos retires as a Lightning player, though? I, I would love to see that. Yeah. You know, but does he think, in, you know, after next season, is his career over? Or does he want to keep playing? And if he wants to keep playing, then it's what number – are the Lightning comfortable with, and what number is he comfortable with? I mean, Vinny LeCavier finished in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Now, in Vinny LeCavier's defense, the Lightning bought him out. They did, yeah. That wasn't true. his choice. No, and, that's true. And quite frankly, the Lightning are still paying him, I believe. <laughs> no. I know. Jeff Vinnick even mentioned that during the Hall of Fame ceremony, that they're paying him through 2028, and at that time, Vinny's throwing a – Get out from paying Vinny party, and Vinny's paying is what Jeff <laughs> yeah. said. He's hosting, yeah. Right. You know, That's but, the Bobby Bonilla deal, right? Yeah. But it's, yeah. you know, it, it's with the salary cap, and particularly when once COVID hit and the cap stopped going up significantly. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of these contracts, Stamp Ghosts and Headman and Ryan McDonough and all these contracts that teams signed, you were pretty – pretty reasonably assured that the salary cap was going to go up a couple million every year until they stopped playing hockey and so you plan that out as you were signing guys and and as your forward-looking contracts well then COVID hit and you stopped raising the salary cap Mm -hmm. but your plan was that the cap would be you know okay three four years from now it's going to be 10 million dollars more than it is now sure because the revenues increase right and and that's the way you were planning those contracts when you're signing six and seven year deals to players and even eight year deals Right. That, you know, the cap would go up. And, and so where teams get squeezed and are squeezed right now is they had planned. They had planned that, oh, we got plenty of room to to sign more players in the future. You know, some of the forward, you know, your bottom six forwards and your bottom pair defensemen and that we will have room to sign some free agents. And, and that, well, you, d- you didn't. And so then you had to start getting rid of Ryan McDonough and trading him or, you know, you were going to lose Barkley Goodrow and Blake Coleman. Yanni Gord was in the expansion draft, so you couldn't stop that. But, right. you know, it, it, it's, it, it messed up a lot of teams, and that's where there's a cap crunch now, which is why Julian Breesball has had to leverage so many picks to keep restocking this team mm-hmm. as they're in this window to win now. Right. Because the cap didn't go up. So now you have, you know, the only capital you had was draft picks. It's also why going to three state straight Stanley Cup Finals and winning two of them in this salary cap era with these set of circumstances that you just outlined is so remarkable. Mm-hmm. And it won't probably be appreciated, but what they're doing is uh, 
next. I mean, it's impossible. I mean, it's just there's so many factors. It's hard enough to get there anyway if everybody's healthy and you could keep everyone together. Well, you can't. And then you add the salary cap difficulties with COVID and everything else. I mean, they've been able to reload and keep their core together every year and still bring up young players and maintain their level of play. It's it's truly remarkable, and they deserve a ton of credit. And I don't know how far they'll go this year. We say this every year, and we didn't think they'd make it to Stanley Cup finals a year ago, and they did. Um, could have won it with some luck and some lack of injuries. But, yeah, I mean, what, what they have done is, is going to be hard for anyone to duplicate. And, and in fact, you know, the teams they played in the Stanley Cup typically sometimes don't even make the playoffs the next year, you know, and they've, they've been a model of consistency. So they'll figure it out. But, yeah, Alex Kalorn's one of those players that's going to be in that position next year. And just have to wait and see what other opportunities he have. But he has been a terrific player for them for such a long time and such a, such a big part, really, of this franchise. It's been been fun to watch. All right, well, we're going to call it a week. Um, should be a good, uh, interesting series with the Rays and A's over the weekend. See if they can keep that going mm-hmm. at 6-0. Uh, the Masters has begun, and Tiger Woods limps his way to a two-over par. Um, hard to watch. Hard to watch Tiger anymore. I wish he'd stop playing. It's not for me to say, right? I mean, he's still enjoying it, and maybe he's waiting for, like you said, to play with his son out there at the Masters one day, but... Um, I don't know that he's going to make the cut. Maybe he'll bounce back. The weather was supposed to be worse than it is. It's actually been pretty good. Some high scores yesterday. It's interesting to see some of the live golf guys out there with the PGA guys getting the side eye from everybody. <laughs> and so Brooks Kapka is tied for the lead, you know, that sort of thing. So it should be a good Masters tournament. Great weekend. Great golf weekend. Yeah, the Frozen Four. It's weekend. Minnesota and Quinnipiac will be in the championship at Amelie Arena Saturday night. What happened to your Wolverines, man? Uh, that was a that, that, Quinnipiac's a really good team. Um, I mean, Mich- Michigan and Quinnipiac are basically considered second and third best team in the country this year. Oh, Minnesota really? okay. being the best. So, uh, Quinnipiac's an older. It was funny. So, I, I didn't realize this. So, six of Michigan's top six four or top six or nine forwards. I mean, are freshmen. So they're they're the youngest. They're the college. youngest team in the country. Yeah, the youngest team in the country. So they're eighteen-year-olds, nineteen-year-olds, yeah. the best. Quinnipiac doesn't have a teenager on the team. <laughs> okay, they're all twenty plus. I mean, they're, they're grown-ass men. <laughs> yeah, um, you know. So and Quinnipiac plays a very structured. Uh, they were the best defensive team in hockey this year, so um, you know they can make it really tough to score. While Michigan was the best offensive team, so it was a good game. It was two-two going to the third period. So Minnesota and Boston was two-two going to the third period as well. Minnesota won that game four to two. So, just say it. Jim Harbaugh thought they underachieved. <laughs> they had they had their chance. They had their chance, yeah. and you know, win the Big Ten championship, losing the semifinals. I got you. Yeah, I've heard that somewhere, somewhere before. But uh, yeah, we were in. Me and my wife went downtown to have dinner, and um, we uh, went up to the. Is it the Element? That's the new hotel there. The Edition and the Edition. That's sorry, the Edition, and they, uh, the golfers. Don't you know they had taken over that place, man? That's big six. It's a nice hotel. Oh yeah, you betcha. Oh, you betcha. Now wait there. We got on the elevators with a few people from Minnesota, and uh, these guys came walking in from outside the lounge and area. It was like an outdoor terrace area, and it just struck me. And of course, I've been doing the NFL for so long that I've covered some players' kids now, so that's always enlightening. Um, Makes you feel very old, but. You forget, like, 
these college, these are, like you said, to your point, all those freshmen, right? Those guys are 19, 18 years old, and that's what they look like. They look like when I was playing American Legion ball, these kids came walking in with the hair and the, and I thought, man, this is the college Frozen Four team. Like you guys are young, mm-hmm. like young, young, and they were, um, as it turns out. So yeah, it was pretty impressive. But boy, there's a. I tell you what, I didn't. I don't know how many were in Emily Arena. It looked very full. It looked. I believe it sold out. Like I believe the, the Frozen the, Four were sold out. So yeah, because it, it looked it looked like. A hot, like a you know, like a lightning game all the way up into three hundred level there. There was there were fans everywhere. And of course the band, you know, we get the cheerleaders. It's kinda of neat. It's kind of a college atmosphere and a hockey obviously uh situation. Tampa's a great host and the people are just having their time of their lives. There's these three young women that got on the elevator with us and, and they were like and, and we were honest to God, we just said hello to them and didn't say we were just listening and they were like, Oh my God I love Tampa. I am moving here. I swear to you, I am moving down here. This is like the greatest place, you know. So I, I got a kick out of that, and I'm sure plenty of people will probably do exactly that after they spend a weekend here at the Frozen Four. Well, the press conferences uh, with the coaches uh, the other day, every mm-hmm. one of the coaches is like, I know that the tournament's decided for the next few years, but we need to come back here like every three years or whatever. Cause, they should be in the rotation, you know, right? That's what, that's you know, what they should we be. We love the sun. We ain't, we, you know, we're not complaining about the sun and, and you know, the beach. And, um, it was 90 the other day. And, and the fans love it. I mean, it's, you know, it's of course. early April. It's still cold up north. You're still getting snow in some areas up there. Three weeks ago, we had a, 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 one of my nieces were down from Chicago, and she left there. And the next day in Chicago, it was uh, in the low 30s and snowed like hell. And it was 85 degrees here, mm-hmm. you know. And so, yeah, it's still cold up there. You can get snow at Easter, you know what I mean? Like, they love coming down. Mm-hmm. And why not? And, why wouldn't this be a perfect venue? And every team that's been here for now, this is the third Frozen Four, raves about the event, mm-hmm. the arena, the the facilities, the town, the staff, the yeah, you know, everything about it. It's uh, Well, and look it. how... Look how downtown has changed in Tampa mm-hmm. in the last five to ten years, right? Like Just in the last two to incredible. three years. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the, you're right. The restaurants alone, uh, in and around Emily Arena, right? Not to mention you can walk down to Waterside or you can walk down to uh, uh, Sparkman Wharf and Sparkman's Wharf, and and you know. I mean, there's just so many places, you know, uh, in and around that city. And you yeah. catch a trolley to even look at around you know, Armature right? Works and all that down there. Oh, absolutely, yeah, right on the river. I mean, mm-hmm. the the restaurants and the and the bars and the nightlife down there is phenomenal, and and that's walking distance. So, yeah, it's downtown has changed. Of course, both sides of the bay, St. Petersburg too, and you still got mm-hmm. the beaches. I mean, there's so much to do here. Obviously, this time, I mean, this is one of the prettiest times of the year that we have in the spring. So. I love this. Um, I mean, you know, with you got events like the Frozen Four, but spring training and, oh, and the Valspar Championship and the Grand Prix mm-hmm. of St. Petersburg. I mean, it's just a mm-hmm. springtime in Tampa Bay, Florida is just phenomenal. It is. It's, it's wonderful. And uh, soon it will be 100 degrees. <laughs> so enjoy it, folks, because it's coming. I can feel it. Still better uh, than yeah, uh, right snow. Now. It is. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm never – really one to don't want to get the frozen stuff i would i i said this the other day i spent the weekend in denver and even though denver is one of the cities i could live in it's a beautiful city and, and you got mm-hmm. the rockies right up there you know what they just hit 70 for the first time all year <laughs> like one day it was like 69 and my son was like i think it was 70 today and that'd be the first time and i'm like dude it's kind of late in the year just to hit 70 I, isn't it i remember living in minnesota there was one of the winners 
in January. Oh my God. Oh on my January God. 31st, it got up to 36 degrees. Whew. It was the first time all month it hit 30. <laughs> you were celebrating. Like you walked out <laughs> to go get the mail and just a sweatshirt and jeans. And you're like, man, it feels like <laughs> summer. I could go out yeah. in shorts and a t-shirt because it was so warm. It was 36 degrees. It was nuts. Yeah. <laughs> My first exposure, literally, to to cold weather like that was um, early in my career. We were covering the Final Four. It might have been the year that I told you I went to Seattle, and, and that was when Michigan won. I remember Robinson and all that. 89. Uh, but, yeah, but I was covering a, 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 a regional final in Minneapolis, and Illinois mm-hmm. won. Um, so maybe it wasn't the same year, but. It was a great Illinois team. Kenny well, Michigan Powell, faced Illinois in the in the uh, so, final. So that four. was the year. Yeah, right? it was. Yeah, yeah, that was the year. Mm-hmm. So I get off the plane in Minnesota, and it is. It would have been, well, damn near April, right? Mm-hmm. Probably was April, and maybe I late get off March, the plane. Yeah. Maybe late March or early, yeah, going going to be April. I get off the plane late March, and there is four or five inches of snow down mm-hmm. on the ground. Mm-hmm. And it's absolutely freezing. I thought I had landed in another planet. <laughs> I had left Tampa. It was 80-something degrees. I didn't know. Literally, this is my, the naive that I, reporter that I was. I didn't know it could be snowing in the same country in, in practically April. I didn't even think that was like possible. Two of, the three like, winters, where am I? two of the three winters I lived in Minneapolis, it snowed the first weekend of May. Uh, it was just God. flurries. It wasn't like it, it was like four or five inches. I, I know. It was just flurries. But... Two of the three winners, <laughs> the first weekend of May, it, there were snow flurries. Oh, my God. And you'll see snow early October. Yeah. No, yeah. Um, seen, it, seen it in Chicago. Seen it in Halloween. Mm-hmm. Been fr- frozen in Halloween in oh, Chicago yeah. before. I did, in Ohio, we, there was there were some Halloweens. It was. Couldn't go out. Many know. inches of snow and. Don't miss it. Knocking on the doors. Yeah. So anyway, uh, this weather forecast brought to you by Sports Day Tampa Bay. Thanks for listening. We're here every Monday through Friday. Uh, We'll be back to talk about uh, the Rays, the A's, the Lightning, and anything else that goes on with uh, their injuries and Tanner Janot bring you all that. And, of course, the Masters, a tradition like no other. Hello, friends. We'll deal with that on Monday as well. Thanks for listening. For Steve Rustic, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.